The Bible Study Podcast, episode 111. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Luke in Luke 6. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We left off last week with the naming of the Twelve Apostles in Luke 6.16, and we'll continue on, therefore, in Luke 17. And this section is about Jesus' teaching, and the section that is the closest with the well-known Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. And this is the Sermon on the Plain. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by evil spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him, because power was coming from him, and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hungered now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you, and reject you as evil, because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their fathers treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. As we start to look at these verses, one thing that's interesting is in this particular section, Jesus is teaching apparently a crowd of not just Jews, but also Gentiles, at least when we hear people coming from Tyre and Sidon, Tyre and Sidon are Phoenician cities, not Jewish cities. And it says they've come to him not just to hear him, but also some have come because they're looking for the miraculous healing that he can bring. He's healing people. He's delivering those who've been troubled by evil spirits, it says, and that people are trying to touch him because power is coming out of him. But then the next section here focuses on his teaching. And probably the first thing that I see when I look at this section of teaching here, a little different from the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit here, blessed are the poor, and woe to you who are rich is bummer to the rich is what it sounds like at first. And as somebody who lives in a nation that is rich, who is in the top half at least of a nation that is in the top 10%, this sounds like a woe to me passage. This sounds like Jesus is saying, sucks to be you, you're rich, this is all it is. Now, we need to put this in context here because, first of all, one of the things that's interesting is in Matthew's Beatitudes, it's blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are that. This is second person. Looking at his disciples, he said, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you'll be satisfied. So he's looking at the disciples, and that is the context for this particular set of verses. Blessed are you who weep, you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and exalt you and insult you and reject your name because of the Son of Man. So to be a disciple is not something that is going to get you wealthy. Peter, when he left his fishing boat behind, did not become a wealthier man. Peter was probably better off economically when he was a lowly fisherman, but he was a fisherman with a regular steady job than at any other time in his life. 
He, he left his financial security to come be a disciple. And that was true of many of the disciples. Now, there were some of the disciples who were with him who were rich. There were some who were supporting him. And elsewhere, we have mention of Joanna and Mary of Magdalene, for instance, who are specifically mentioned as people who were helping with the care and feeding of these poor disciples. And again, poor economically. And so what Jesus is saying is, one of the things is there may be a cost in being a disciple. And two is, there is something to be gained. Peter, when he gave up fishing, Matthew, when he gave up tax collecting, were definitely economically, Matthew especially, at a loss. But theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It is interesting to me that as someone who I would have to say, I'm probably not as concerned as most about how others feel about me or how others think about me, but I'm concerned about how others think about me. I may be in the bottom half of that, but I think we're all tend to wonder what people will say. What will people think of us? And Jesus, part of his woe in here is woe to you who people think well of you. People speak well of you. Woe to you who make no waves. Woe to you who get along with everyone because you know, you're probably just not controversial. You're probably just not challenging anyone. You've already received your comfort, he says to the rich. I think that's also true in some sense in this passage of the comfortable. When we choose comfort over conviction, when we choose profit over being a prophet, we already have our reward. There is something to be gained by even going through hunger and sadness and being poor now to be gained for the kingdom of God and to be gained for us in that trade-off. Remember elsewhere, Jesus says you can't serve both God and mammon. You can't serve both God and money. And this is another one of many different passages. Jesus talks about money a lot. And obviously, this may mean, if we just take it literally, that it's bad to be rich. Well, it's certainly bad for some. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said that. It's certainly bad for some. Jesus looked at a rich man in the eye, a young, rich young ruler, and said, I see that you have much. You lack one thing. Sell all you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. For that young man, the riches got in the way of his following Jesus. And that story ends with, he went away sad. There are some people for sure, maybe us, who what we have gets in the way of what we are called to do. And we can't ignore this as something that may not apply to us. And then, because that wasn't nearly hard enough, Jesus goes on and says, But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. 
And if you lend to those whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. I think the context of this is that last section here is, you will be called sons of the Most High. This is a description of what God has done. We are called to do what God has already done for us. While we were yet enemies, Colossians tells us, at the right time he sent his son to save us. He did love his enemies, us. He does love those who hate him. He does bless those who curse him, who mistreated his own son. Jesus, who was crucified, looked at the people who did it and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This is a standard that is an impossibly high standard that Jesus lived up to. And it is a standard that makes us sons of the Most High God, sons and daughters of the Most High God, because it is the way that God behaves. How can we expect that God expects for us to behave differently? One comment I would say is... In doing prison ministry, this passage about if someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to the other to him also, gets a little problematic because we have people who may be in a violent situation, and what does this mean? One thing we should be aware of is a slap on the cheek, a strike on the cheek, is an insult. A strike on the cheek is not bodily harm, but it's basically turn the other cheek, don't give in to the insults. Don't give in to those who are treating us that way. Even all that we have, don't cling to it. That passage above about being rich, here it says, if someone takes your cloak, let him take it. That the person is even more important than everything we have, anything we have. This last section here, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? There is something that is being asked of us here that is much more difficult. Something that is being asked of us here is to behave as God has behaved, to be merciful as your Father is merciful. With that, we'll end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to comment at thebiblestudypodcast.com or send me an email at host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Dedicating time each day to spend feeding our minds and our hearts the truth of God's Word is immensely helpful in our growth as followers of Christ. I'm John Stonge, and each day I host a show called Daily Devotions with Pastor John. On the show, I spend just a few minutes taking an applicational look at one or two verses of Scripture before coming to the Lord in prayer. If you'd like to make a habit of spending more time meditating on the truth of God's Word, You can listen to Daily Devotions with Pastor John at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.